Good morning. Where's Don? I feel like Jesus and they all left. Man, so uh, maybe he was afraid to get stuck or something. Hey, open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 14. 1 Samuel chapter 14. I'm going to put this down here. There he is. <laughs> Thanks, Don. I love you too, buddy. So, hey, one of, the, uh, one of the Chi Alpha guys came up to me today and said, hey, you see that guy back there? Pointed someone out. He said, he saw you, and he goes, Pastor Randy preaching today? And he said, yeah. He said, great. Would it be a shorter sermon? <laughs> he didn't say great. It would be a better sermon. He just said shorter. So glad. It's a thrill to be here. Yesterday, we had the privilege of sharing with the men of the church and we preach part two of what I'm going to preach today, a message on perhaps. In 2009, the church that I pastored for 26 years, Northside Assembly, was going through the spiritual mully grubs. Anybody ever been there? Just uh, kind of the blahs, you know, nothing terrible, but nothing really exciting either. And I was, I was going through that myself personally. And, and I said, Lord, I need something. I need something that will challenge me, something that will fire me up. And when you pray those prayers to the Lord, the Lord will answer you. And his answer to me came in the form of a message from 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 6. Let's read it together. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised fellows. Perhaps, everybody say perhaps. I've come with a word for the, from the Lord for Lifehouse today, and that word is perhaps. Perhaps. Perhaps the Lord will uh, act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. And you know what? That message lodged in my spirit. How many of you have heard messages and you've gone home and you say, well, that was okay. I enjoyed it. The jokes were funny and it got a little inspired. But then you've had messages that you just knew was God speaking directly to your heart. And that's the way that message was. And over the next couple of months, that was the end of April, the beginning of May. And uh, over the next four months, I listened to that message over and over and over again. Every time we'd get into the car, I'd listen to that. And finally, Nancy said, perhaps if you listen to that one more time, you'll be by yourself the rest of your life. So, you know, she, she wasn't as excited as I am. I read 1 Samuel 13 and 14, the context of the story, over and over in every version I could find. And, just, and I just meditated on that. And finally, on the first Sunday of August, 2009, I stood before Northside Assembly and I preached the message that I want to share with you today. And at the end of that message on perhaps, I, I shared with the congregation that I felt like the Lord had challenged us, challenged me to challenge the church, to give $30,000 cash over and above the tithe in one offering for missions at the end of our annual missions convention. 
Our church was very much into missions and, and the second Sunday through the third Sunday of September every year, we had a big convention, bring four missionary families in and they'd be in like 18 different homes, hosting meals and, and getting to know our people. And it was just an incredible time. And at the end, we always took faith promises, which was what they were gonna believe God to give over the next year. But the Lord challenged me to, to challenge them to give 30,000. Well, I might as well have challenged them to give 300,000 or maybe 3 million. And at the end of the message, people came up to me and they said, Pastor, do you really believe that we can give $30,000 in one offering? And I said, perhaps, <laughs> because I didn't know. I just knew that I'd been challenged and I felt like I should challenge the church. Well, over the next few weeks, I preached the perhaps message. I, the, the next Sunday, I preached the message I shared with the men yesterday on perhaps partners. And then I talked about perhaps giving. And then I talked about uh, another thing. And, and then the missionaries came and we had the great, just a great week. And there were probably 300 people in homes with the missionaries throughout the week. And at the, at the end of that next Sunday, we, we, shared, we, we shared the message. And then we took the offering. And that Sunday, I couldn't wait for everybody to go home because, because I, I wanted to get back to where they were counting the offering because we've been anticipating now for over five weeks whether this is going to happen. And quite honestly, I had already worked on two messages for the next Sunday. One was, I told you we could do it. And the other one was, well, at least we tried. You know, and I didn't know which one I'd get to preach. So they all went home and, and, uh, and the missionaries went to our house for lunch and I went back to where they were counting the offering and walked in and said, what's, what's the offering? And they said, 13,000. And you know, as a pastor, you always wanna be a person of faith and always you know, wanna lead with, from a position of faith. And, and so I, didn't, I tried real hard not to show my disappointment. And, and so I said, man, that, well, 13,000, they'll each get over 4,000 and, and they'll love that. And, and, and they go, oh no, pastor, wait a minute. We're not, we're not finished counting the offering. And I went, praise the Lord, <laughs> praise the Lord. I said, I'm going into my office and when you get through, come in and talk to me. And when they came in in the next maybe 20 minutes, they looked at me and the offering was $36,000. Can we say praise the Lord, praise the Lord. So let me ask you a question. When is the last time you stepped out on a perhaps? When is the last time you took a risk? A risk that was so great that unless God came through, you knew you could never do it. See, risk and faith are the same thing. It's just where the risk, where the, where the, where your trust is in the risk. My trust was not in Northside Assembly because I knew we couldn't do that. But my trust was in the Lord. And the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. For, any, for when you come to him, you got to believe that he is and that he, and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. And so I want to ask you, when's the last time you stepped out on a perhaps? When's the last time you took a risk? When's the last time you believed God for something out of the ordinary? Because that's what God has called us to do. If, our, if we are just living lives that can be explained, then we're not living the life of faith. 
Because when God steps in and calls us to do something supernatural and we trust him to do it, then people aren't going to be able to look at us and say, well, look what they did. They'll look beyond us and say, look at what the Lord did. Now, I listened uh, a couple of weeks ago, maybe three, four weeks ago, as Pastor Drew um, was sharing his vision for the church. Remember that incredible message? Nancy and I had preached in West Tennessee over in the Memphis area, and we were driving home. And when we started listening, we were in Memphis, and when we ended, we were in Knoxville. That, that's how long that message was. Nancy slept, but I was driving, so I kept, I kept going. But it was a tremendous message, and no, it wasn't that long. I'm just joking. It was a tremendous message, and I've listened to it over since then because I love the passion and the excitement. He talked about planting churches, this church being a church that cares not just about Oak Ridge, but about the surrounding 865 area and wants to start a church in Clinton and in North City and, and uh, Maryville and, and Carnes and, and other places. And, and I was excited about that. And then he shared that he wanted, he had visions of the church doing more for missions than they've ever done. And that's why I'm here this morning. Because I'm here to share perhaps challenge with you. And the challenge is to help us build church planning schools in the nation of Tanzania. In Tanzania, in the Assemblies of God, the last 10 years, they started 10,000 churches. That's never been done in the Assemblies of God anywhere before to start that many churches. But they're not resting on their laurels. See, what happens is when you, when you allow God to fulfill a perhaps through you, it just makes you hungry for more perhaps. And so they said, you know what, well, if we could start 10 and 10,000 10, 10, in 10 years, let's believe that we could start 30,000 churches in the next 13 years. This is in a third world country where people barely make enough to exist, but they're believing God. And so we want to come alongside them today. And I have the privilege of representing Priority One Missions. And Priority One Missions is all about building Bible schools around the world. It was started many years ago, 20 years ago now, and they've built in over 50 different nations. And we've challenged the Assembly of God churches in Tennessee to help build church planning schools in Tanzania. Their vision is to build 72. They've already built 36 schools around the country. They're going to build another 36 schools. And Priority One, led by our founder, Sam Johnson, has pledged uh, uh, to build, uh, to help, to give 75000 for each one of those 36 schools. Somebody do the math. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. And when he did that, he stepped out on a perhaps. But here's the amazing news. David Green, the owner of Hobby Lobby, anybody ever shop at a Hobby Lobby? Do you have a Hobby Lobby in Oak Ridge? Do you have a Walmart here? Nancy could live here. Nancy could live. you have a McDonald's? I could live here. I mean, this is a great place to live. But David Green heard about it. And he has already sent a check for $1.5 million to help us build those 36 schools. And so we, we challenged the Tennessee, we met with the leadership of the Tennessee Assemblies of God, and we challenged them to build four schools. That's 300,000. 
Now that doesn't build a school. What that builds is one building and puts the steel up for four other buildings. And then the Tanzanian Assembly of God people come in and they finish those other four buildings. They invest 125 to 150,000. They're not looking for a handout. They're looking for a hand up. We're, we're, we're saying we'll partner with you and they're saying we'll partner with you. And so we're asking you, now we're not asking you, although we would gladly accept it, if anybody here today said, you know what, I could build one of those schools. We'll name it after, you know, I don't know if we can do that or not, but we'll put your picture in the lobby or they won't have, you know, I mean, but we're asking, what is this church? Lifehouse. I started to say Northside. I was there so long. We're asking Lifehouse to join us in believing for $6,000. Now, I'm going to share the story of perhaps with you here in just a minute. But I want you to relax because we're not asking you to give anything today. What we're asking you to do is to spend this next week, this holy week, the week that changed the world forever, and to each day get up and pray and say, Lord, what can we do? What can we do? We don't want you to give out of emotion. We don't want you to give out of, out of being stirred. We want you to give out of obedience. And, and we believe that if you'll pray and say, Lord, what can I do? We're just a young couple, but, and we don't have a lot, but, but everybody has something. You, maybe you can't give 1.5 million. I've never given 1.5 million like Hobby Lobby. Nancy's given millions to, to Hobby Lobby, but I've never, uh, not millions, hundreds of thousands, but, uh, but we're just asking you to pray and to obey. And then next week, there's not going to be any emotional appeal next Sunday. It's going to be Easter Sunday and you're celebrating the resurrection. And what a great, what greater Sunday could we possibly come and say, Lord, out of our gratefulness, out of our gratitude for what this Sunday means in our life, your death, your burial, your resurrection. Lord, we give this not because we have to. Lord, we give because we want to. We give because we want hundreds and thousands of other Tanzanians to come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Now listen, I got way out, way away from my notes, but I'm going to get back into them right now, okay? Let's look at this situation that faces the, the, the uh, God's people, the situation facing the Israelites. It's marked by three things. Number one, the Israelites are hopelessly outnumbered. When they think about fighting the Philistines, they're hopelessly outnumbered. 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 5 says this. The Philistines assembled to fight in Israel with 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and soldiers as numerous as the sand on the seashore. How many know that's a lot of soldiers? Saying so you go down and look at the beach, and as, if you can count the grains of sand, that's how many, uh, how many uh, there are of the enemy. Look at 1 Samuel 13, chapter 15, or, or verse 15. It says, Then Samuel left Gilgal and went up to Gibeah and Benjamin and saw, counted the men who were with him. They numbered about 600. So you got 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, two for every chariot, plus soldiers as numerous as the sand on the beach, and you only have 600 Israelites. I mean, the odds were definitely stacked against them. But here's the good news. 
the Lord is not nearly as bothered by the numbers as we are. He's not nearly as bothered by the numbers as we are. We might look and say, well, Lifehouse is a church of 175 approaching 200, and, and we, might, we might could do two or 3,000, but you're asking for, no, I'm, I'm, that's what pastor's asking. I'm praying for 10,000, because I'm older and wiser. <laughs> And I'm not the pastor, so I mean, I, you know. so I'm so you say, I don't know that we can do that. And you know what? You can't if you look at the numbers, but the Lord's not concerned about the numbers. In fact, one time the Lord purposely reduced the size of the army so that everyone would know that he and he alone had won the battle. In Judges chapter 7, you probably know the story. Gideon is called to go out and fight against some Benjamites. And, and, and the Lord says to this, this to him in Judges 7 too. You have too many men for me to dwell, uh, to deliver Midian into, into their hands. In order that Israel may not boast against us that her own strength has saved her. He's saying, look, if you go out and fight against uh, the Midianites, you're going to brag that you did it. So I want, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand up and say, he says to Gideon, the pastor of that flock, he says, I want you to stand up and say, anybody that doesn't think we can do this, anybody that's afraid, go on home. That'd be like Pastor Drew standing next Sunday and going, anybody that doesn't want to participate in this offering, anybody that doesn't think we can make it, you feel, feel free to leave now. 22,000 got up and walked out the door. It was a backdoor revival. That left 10,000 people. And you know what the Lord's response is? That's still too many. And so he devises a test to take them down to the water and the ones that drink this way, you're to take with you and the ones that drink another way, you're to... And the bottom line, he's left with 300. So there were thousands against 300, but the Lord delivered them. The Lord delivered them. I wonder how many... Mission, mission outreaches have not been funded because people thought the odds were stacked against us. Because they looked in the natural and they said, we just don't have it. When I was pastoring Northside, I, we, were, we were in a, a, a building when I first moved there, there in Jackson, that was probably the ugliest building in the assemblies of God. That was our claim to fame. We, our church is uglier than your church. And nobody, would, nobody disputed us. And, but yet we just kept growing and believing because we ignored. You know, sometimes you just got to ignore the facts. And so we had grown to about 400 in this tiny little building. And, and we, uh, we decided to build. And an architect told us that we could build what we wanted for $1.8 million. We started with $1.2 million worth of faith. And he told us, you're crazy. You can't build what you need for that. And so we said, what do we need? He said, 1.8. So we prayed. We built our faith. We agreed to do that. And then they opened the bids. I don't know why I'm telling you this. Because it's not in my notes. But, but they opened the bids. And, and the first bid was $3.2 million. And the second bid was 3.15. And the third, all seven bids were over $3 million. So we had started with $1.2 million worth of faith, built it to 1.8, and now we're facing $3 million, almost double, over double what we first started. So what did we do? You know what I did? 
I, I was sitting in the back of the room while the architect was opening the bids. And I'm so glad I was back there because I didn't want anybody to see my reaction. Because I was not a happy camper. And if I could have, if I could have got to him at that moment, I'd have laid hands on him, choked him to death, and told God that he died. I mean, I, I, that, I was just upset. But thankfully, in the, it was probably 40 feet from where I was to where he was, and I, he dismissed everybody. And I walked up there, and every step I'm taking, I'm going, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Help me, Lord. I'm, I mean, I was torn up. And I got up there, and he looked at me, and he goes, what are you going to do? I said, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to build this thing because we're not building this for the glory of man. We're building it for the glory of God. And God's in this and, and God's going to provide. And now I'm going to my office and pray through until I believe everything I just said. <laughs> and you know what? Two years before I retired, we paid that thing off six years early. Why? Because we didn't trust the numbers. We trusted God. Sometimes you've got to trust in the, in the Lord. Stack, Don, you should have been up here this time. This was worth an organ up here. Stacked, stacked odds equal an opportunity for, for God to move. And then one more thing on this point. Never, never let the numbers determine your vision. Never let the numbers determine your vision. Because God's math and your math are totally different. Second thing is not only were they outnumbered, they were under-resourced. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 19, it talks about how the Philistines had captured all of the out, uh, blacksmiths from the nation of Israel and enslaved them because they didn't want them making swords and spears and arrows for the army. And as a result of that, these 600 men, remember against thousands of others, these 600 men only had two swords, only two swords. They, they didn't have the resources. I wonder how many cities have not been reached because the church is set back focusing on what we lacked instead of what we have. God will never ask you to give what you don't have, but he'll ask you to give what you do have. For a little boy, it was five loaves and two fish. He could have said, in fact, the disciples did say when they brought those loaves to the Lord, but what is this among so many? They were focusing on what they lacked instead of what they had. But God took what they had and blessed it and fed the 5,000 men plus women plus children. The Lord used a widow's meal and uh, oil and meal and fed a prophet. He, he used some empty vessels and in the Old Testament he filled them with oil and in the New Testament he filled them with wine. May God help us to never utter the words, we can't afford it. We can't afford it because the truth is we can't afford not to do what God is asking us to do. And if we believe that God is calling us and your pastor stood on this platform just a few weeks ago and said, I believe that God wants us to do more for missions. And I heard you through the, through the um, Facebook post shouting and going, yes, yes, yes. Now it's time to put your money where your mouth is. That is good preaching, Don. I'd like to have a little organ roll on that. Just, is this thing on? Dead. Dead. If you weren't here, last time Don played through my whole sermon, so at least somebody got something good out of it, so that was good. They were outnumbered. You may say, 
See, see, here's what's going to happen. I can tell you because I've, I've been doing this for over 50 years. And I can tell you that when, when God speaks to you, if you'll pray, God will speak to you. And, and the number that he gives you, listen, if, if the number that he gives you doesn't scare you, you didn't hear from him. Because he's not going to ask you to do things within your own strength. He wants, like he did with Gideon, to do things that only he can get the glory from. And you may say, it's just a natural respect, but Lord, we can't afford that. You don't understand. No, you don't understand. God says, if you'll trust me, I'll provide it. I remember the first time the Lord gave, asked, us, asked me before I was ever married to give $100 in a missions offering. I, I was making $75 a week. I said, Lord, how can I do that? But yet when I did it, immediately God brought it back. See, there comes a point when our actions have to meet, match our confessions. See, we always, AJ stood up here earlier and, and at the beginning of the service, and, and he said, if you'll give, God will give it back to you. Don't, don't be surprised if there's unexpected checks or what. Did you hear him say that? And I heard y'all going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when God, put, I'm not telling you what to give. Because if I told you what to give, I'd have you build two or three schools yourself. <laughs> but I, I can't back it up with the provision. But if you'll listen to God. If you listen to God. So they were un, outnumbered, under-resourced. And thirdly, they were overcome by fear. They were overcome by fear. 1 Samuel chapter 13. When the men of Israel saw that their situation was critical and that the army was hard-pressed, they hid in caves and thickets among the rocks and pits and cisterns. Some Hebrews even, uh, even crossed the Jordan by land of Gad and Gilead. Saul remained at Gilgal, and all the troops with him were quaking with fear. He waited seven times. He waited seven days till the time set by Samuel. But Samuel didn't come. And Saul's men began to scatter. So they are outnumbered, under-resourced, and overwhelmed by fear. You know what that sounds like? Most churches post-COVID. Doesn't that sound just like most churches? I hear it everywhere I go. Well, pastor, you know, since COVID, it just hasn't been the same. And we're letting COVID define what God wants to do instead of allowing God to define what he wants to do. And it's time we say to COVID, we've had enough of you. And we're going to stand up. And if we go down, we're going to go down trying. We're going to go down because we stepped out in faith, not because we gave in to fear. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of power and love and of a sound mind. And we've got to step forward and trust him and believe him. Now, now let's look at the faith of Jonathan. Because Jonathan refused to believe his circumstances. He refused to give in to his circumstances. In chapter 14, verse 6, I read it earlier, but he comes to his armor bearer and says, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised fellows. Perhaps, perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Jonathan doesn't even have a thus saith the Lord. All he has is a perhaps. All he has is a hope. All he has is a dream. But based on that dream, based on that perhaps, he refuses to follow the crowd in doing nothing. 
The others are sitting and hiding in caves from fear. But, but Jonathan goes to his armor bearer and he says, we're going to fight the Philistines. And then notice what it says at the end of verse 31 or verse 1. It says, but he did not tell his father. Can I challenge you? Be careful who you share your vision with. Because there will be people when you, if you just randomly go out and start sharing the vision that people with people that aren't of like-minded faith, they'll try to talk you out of it. Because your vision shows their lack of vision. And so Jonathan says, I'm not going to tell dad, not out of rebellion. He's not being a smart mouth kid. He just goes, I don't want to do that. I'm just going to trust God. And I know what God has put in my heart. I love this. I, just a couple of weeks ago, I was reading an article and it's talking about Sir Edmund Hillary, the first man to climb Mount Everest. And, and he, he made this statement. If you need certainty to begin, the things you begin will be small. Realize you can be confident and uncertain at the same time. Bravado is confident about everything. I believe if someone starts out in a challenging activity completely confident that they're going to succeed, succeed why bother starting? You know what he's saying? He's saying if, if you're positive that you can do this, then it's not faith. And without faith, it's impossible. Say, oh, Lord, how many of us pray? We pray all the time. Lord, do something that only you can get the credit for. And he goes, glad, glad you asked that. Now, here's what I want you to do. And you go, well, no, 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 Lord. I said I, something that only you can do. Yeah, but I'm going to use you to do it. I'm going to use you to do it. See, Jonathan was not denying reality. He wasn't going around confessing. Uh, they, they just have a few hundred people. No, he knew they had thousands of people. He knew how many chariots they had, how many charioteers. He didn't use his faith to deny the facts. He used his faith to face the facts and to confront the facts. This, uh, the Bible says in Romans 4.19 about Abraham, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, uh, as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's body was dead also. So think about that. Abraham has had this promise now for years, over 20 years in his life, that God's going to give him a son through Sarah. And they've done everything in the natural. They even tried it through Sarah's handmaiden, Hagar. And, and it turned into a disaster. And yet now at nearly 100 years old, Abraham assesses the situation. He looks in the mirror and he goes, you ain't what you used to be, buddy. There ain't no child coming out of those loins. And then you know he's kind of senile because he says, he looks at Sarah and he goes, and you ain't what you used to be either. <laughs> I mean, he's not only, I mean, he's just not. But what does he do? He faces the facts with faith. And he goes, I may not have the seed, but God does. And God's going to do it. Did you hear, did you hear that word perhaps that Jonathan says to his armor bearer? Perhaps I talked to the men about it yesterday. That's like, that's like Pastor Drew coming to, coming to uh, one of the leaders, coming to Arlo and saying, Arlo, perhaps the Lord would have us give 6,000. And perhaps the Lord, I'm just going to project some things here. Perhaps this is the Lord. Perhaps this is just an old man dreaming right now. 
But perhaps the Lord would have us move from this auditorium where you fall forward every time you worship. <laughs> perhaps the Lord would have us make the move into the gym because this room's not going to con control the crowds. Perhaps the Lord would have us increase our egg hunt from 15, you increased it to 15,000 this year. And maybe next year God's, God's going to say increase it to 30,000 or 100,000 because I want you to touch all the city of Oak Ridge. And, and, and Arlo looks at him because Arlo's dignified and he's senior like me and he's been around a long time and he goes, perhaps, pastor, you don't, go back until you can come back with a thus saith the Lord. Go back until you can come back and, and say that the Lord wrote it on the wall of your office. Go back until you can come back and say, six angels appeared to you, each speaking a different language and interpreting that God said, this is what you're going to do. But all he had was a perhaps. See, sometimes all you have is a perhaps. Sometimes all you have is a perhaps. See, that goes against the way we preach in, in, in our style church because when I was growing up, I'd hear preachers get up and get all excited and they'd preach and they'd say, I know that God told me, I know, I know that I know, that I know, that I know, I know it in my knower. <laughs> anybody ever heard somebody say, I know it in my knower? Can anybody tell me where the knower is? <laughs> is it between the kidneys and the liver? Is it by the gallbladder? I hope it's not the appendix because I don't have one. You know, I hope it's not the thyroid because I don't have one. They're taking me apart piece by piece. I, I, you know, here's the truth. When Nancy and I started 39 years ago, this July 10th, we started Day Spring Assembly in Bowling Green, Ohio. We felt like God had called us to do that. But now 39 years later, there's a church there of 1,000 people today they're giving hundreds and thousands of dollars to missions around the world. It's been an incredible church. And now when I look back with hindsight, I can say, I know that I, I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew. But I can tell you on the Saturday night before our first Sunday, that July 10th of 1983, Nancy looked at me and said, how many do you think will be there tomorrow? And I answered her honestly. I said, I don't have a clue. I said, but if it's just me and you, you're going to get the best sermon you've ever got. <laughs> and she did. She got saved that morning. <laughs> you know what I could tell? I could tell people that two years earlier I was driving on I-75 because Bowling Green is right, is split by I-75. And, 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 and the Lord used the Bowling Green State Falcons football stadium to grab my attention. And, and it all started with the question that God put in my heart. I wonder if there's an Assembly of God church there. Now, God knew that there was no Assembly of God church there. When God asks you a question, it's not because he needs to know the answer. It's because you need to know the answer. And sometimes that's the way vision starts. It's with a question. And that, at that time, I, I couldn't pull out my cell phone because, because Al Gore hadn't even invented the Internet yet. <laughs> Great state senator from the state of Tennessee. You know, I mean, I, I didn't know. And, and it took me two weeks to find out the answer. But over that next two years, God birthed something in my heart. 
And we move there, not with a no, but with a, a dream and, and with a confidence. I know this, they, they need a church, a spirit-filled church. There are people in this city that have yet to bow their knee to the name of the Lord and they need, and so we move there in faith and today they have an incredible church. Why? Because we stepped out on a perhaps. So what is God saying? Oh my, I just looked at the clock. The spirit of Drew is all over me this morning. I'm shaking that thing off right now. Let me move forward. Skip that page. Skip that page. Let's look at the results of the story, and then we're going to pray. They did what was possible. They did what was possible. 1 Samuel 14, verse 13, Jonathan climbed up using his hands and his feet, and the, little armor, the armor bearer was right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer uh, followed and killed him, killed them. I can't see this morning. I need to put on my glasses. In that first attack, listen to this, in that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about half an acre. That's incredible, isn't it? They climb the cliff in a defenseless position. They only have one sword among the two of them. Jonathan's the only one. With, they get up there, and we don't know how many Philistines are, but there's a lot. And Jonathan and his armor bearer just start doing what they can, hand-to-hand -hand combat. And 20 Philistines fall dead at the hands of Jonathan and his unnamed armor bearer. They did all they could do. David Green can give $1.5 Randy Carter can give a lot less. And you might be in a position where you can give less. But if you'll do what God has called you to do, and if you do what you can do, it'll be enough. Because secondly, when they did what they could do, God stepped up and did the impossible. God stepped up and did the impossible. Look at verse 15. Then panic struck the whole army, those in the army, uh, those in the camp and field and those in the outposts and raiding parties and the ground shook. God sent an earthquake. And then it says this. Let me get my glasses so I can read this the way it should be read. And the ground shook. It was a panic sent by God. Then Saul and his men assembled and went to battle and they found the Philistines in total confusion, striking each other with their swords. Notice that it, not, it wasn't until they took the step of faith, stepping out, doing what they could do. And when they had done all that they could do, when they stepped out, God stepped up. And God did. He sent an earthquake and he sent a panic and the Philistines got scared to death. They started turning on each other. They started fleeing. And then the incredible thing is, is that faith and courage became contagious. Because when the Philistines are running away, Saul and the other 597 men that are hiding in the cave with him, my phone is ringing in my ears. Could you shut my phone off? Tell them I'll get back to them next month. All right. <laughs> I have hearing aids, and it's crazy. Don't get old. All right. But, but when the people heard, when the people hiding in the cave heard, somebody had the courage to stick his head out, and they saw the Philistines running away, and they went, whoa, 
This must be something God's up to. And, and, and so they got out of the caves and began to pursue. Here's what I'm saying. If you'll step out in faith, you just may be the catalyst that God uses to set an ambush and to set a, a panic sent from God to, to this city to make a difference that only God can make. You may be the only one at first that says we can do this. But if you'll do what God's called you to do, other people will go, whoa, that's awesome. We're going to join that. So what's it going to be, Lifehouse? Are you going to accept the challenge? And it's not just, see, this is, this is just about, this is a test. It's not about money. It's about obedience. And it's about trust. And this is just a little trust, tr test because $6,000 or 10000 if you're believing God, 10000 I mean, that's a drop in the bucket compared to what you're going to have to have to do what God's calling you to do to plant churches across here. You can't plant a church for 6000 but what you can do is plant a seed in a church planting school in Tanzania, and God always gives back according to the seed. Will you stand up and say, God, no, go, go ahead. I wasn't mean, but that's a good way. That's a good place to end right there. Stand up. Go ahead. All right. Come on, Don. Give me a little music up here. All right. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful church. Lord, Nancy and I love the people of this church. And Lord, as much as we love them, our love is pale in comparison to yours because you've loved them with an everlasting love, a love that was so committed that you allowed your son to go to the cross. When we look ahead at this week and remember all that Jesus suffered throughout the whole week in preparation to fulfill his destiny and his purpose, Lord, we can't help but say thank you. And Lord, you were stepping out on a perhaps he said, perhaps if my son gives his life as a ransom for all and as for payment for sin for all, then perhaps they'll accept that forgiveness. And Lord, thank you that many in this room have already done that. Thank you, Lord, that I'm forgiven, not because I'm righteous, because I'm full of mischief, Lord. But thank you that because of what Jesus did, stepping out in faith, I have forgiveness. God, I don't know everybody in this room, Lord. I don't know if they've been here a hundred times or maybe their first time or something in between. But Lord, I know this, you love everyone in this room. And perhaps they're here not by accident. Perhaps they're here today, not because somebody invited them, but because you had a divine encounter waiting for them. And Lord, you wanted them to know right now that no matter how awful their sins might be in their sight, they're already forgiven in your sight. And God, I pray for that one or two or three or however many it might be that need to have that assurance before they walk out of this building, Lord, that you would meet them. God, your word says that when Jesus was on the cross, he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And he wasn't just looking at the Roman soldiers or the thief on his right and his left. He was looking through eternity at us. And that same forgiveness that he offered to them, he offers to us today. If you're here today and you need forgiveness, you say, Pastor Randy, you don't know what I've done. No, I don't, and I don't need to know because I know what Jesus did. 
and what he did trumps what you did. What he did with his death on the cross was pay for all of our sins, for my sins and for yours. And if you're here with heads bowed for just a moment, and you say, Pastor, would you pray for me that I could receive his forgiveness? Would you just slip your hand up across this? Say, Pastor, I just want to be included in that. Anyone else? Anyone else? A couple? Just say, Pastor, include me in that. Let's pray this prayer together. Can we do that? Every one of us together. Lord Jesus, I confess my sins. And I confess my lack of ability to pay for those sins. But I thank you that you sent your son, that whoever would believe on him would not perish, but could have everlasting life. I ask you to forgive me. And I receive that now in the powerful name of Jesus. Come into my life. Change me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Father, thank you for receiving that. Let's give the Lord praise. Let's give the Lord praise. Now, one more, one more response. If you're here today and you would just say to me, Pastor, I won't get to be here next week. I wish I could because I want to see what God does in this house. But if you just say to me, Pastor, here's what I'm, I'm willing to do. I'm not asking you to make a commitment today. If somebody, God's already spoke to you and you may not get to be here next week, then make sure that they get the check this week or do, go online. They'll tell you how to do that. But what I'm asking is if you'll just say, Lord, I'm going to listen. I'm going to humbly ask, how, how do you want me to be involved in this? And if it's $10 or $10,000, does not matter? I'm going to say yes. If you just honestly pray, would you slip your hand up now? And we're going to pray with you this week that God would speak to you. Say, how will I know? You'll know. You'll know. He'll make his voice known. The Bible says, my sheep know my voice. Lord, you saw all the hands go up across this place. Lord, we thank you that this could be the beginning of, of the destiny that you have for this church, Lord. And we join them in praying, Lord, Nancy and I pray, what can we do? And how can we be involved in this, Lord? In Jesus' name, speak to us. We have ears and our ears are open to hear, Lord, what the voice of the Spirit would say. Confirm that to us, Lord, and help us to be willing to say yes. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. 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 God bless you. Aren't you thankful for the word of the Lord today? Amen. Amen. That's for you, Nicole. You can have that. Thank you, church. Listen, I'm just going to go ahead and, you know, I'll, I'll, something that even as Pastor Andy was preaching, um, I believe we can do 6,000. I really do. But I, I feel like that is a safe number. So I'm praying for 10. And we'll give 10. At least. I believe that. I receive that. I believe that is the Lord. I believe perhaps that is the Lord, shall I say. And, um, you know, if it doesn't make you uncomfortable, more times than not, it's not God. And if it feels easy, it's not God. 
But, and I love, I love how he made the connection. Um, you know, right now we can't, we don't have the, the resources on hand to plant a church in Clinton or Carnes or the North City. But we have the resources to plant a seed. And God is faithful to bring a harvest. Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you again for the time that we've been able to gather here. I pray, Father, that as we go, that we will maintain a posture of worship, giving ourselves to you as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. And Lord, that is real worship. And God, that's real revival. Real revival isn't merely just full altars and experiences. Real revival is obedience. Real revival is sacrifice. Real revival is communities all across the world being touched and changed by the gospel of Jesus. And Lord, we're praying and believing. And I believe even now walking in an outpouring of your spirit, God, like we haven't seen before, or at least not like we've seen in a long time. And God, I pray that as we would go, we would go as emissaries of the gospel of Jesus, proclaiming the goodness and the love of God through word and deed to everyone we come into contact with at our jobs, at our schools, at our homes, while we're out shopping, while we're at taking the kids to the park. God, in everything that we would do, every thought that we would think, and every word that we would say, that we would proclaim Jesus crucified and he is enough. In Jesus' name, one more time, Lifehouse, shout amen. Amen. Hey, I love you. Let's go be the church this week.